and recording. Listo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sí. Welcome, friends, familia, to Regenerative Culture Podcast by Collective Wave with your host, Yoshi Pantera. Today we have a very special guest, Nicolás Cambas from Argentina, an artist and collective catalyst of transformation through art with therapeutical and shamanic transpersonal emphases. He led a nomadic life in over a decade with through South America, exchanging clannery and music with Andean Amazonian tribes and their traditional shamanic practices. He, he develops as a clown performer, scene director, and also a therapist, and has created a pedagogic program with transpersonal approach called Camino Creativo Creative Path. He teaches and performs regularly in America and Europe. Welcome, Nicolás Cambas. Welcome, Yoshi, and welcome to all the audience of regenerative, regenerative culture. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So regenerative culture is a broad, broad topic. And it's important to understand this special episode with Nicolas Cambas because like uh, a Gandhi, Gandhi a phrase that if you want to see a better world, it starts within ourselves. And in our last episode, we talked a little bit about psychology and neuroscience with Wilson Ochoa. And Nicolas Cambas has a similar approach of psych psychology and transpersonal awakening through a very interesting topic. Let him let let's him share his new views of what uh, connection with our soul and our body and our mind can be. So, Nicolas, before we start with this amazing topic about how we can approach this in a new way about learning about ourselves, tell us what made you start through this path? How, how, how did you choose to learn what you have learned and connect with, with this approach that you're proposing right now? Mm. Well, actually, this path is something that I realized or took shape after I was walking it through some time. So kind of I started in a certain point to look back and realize it was taking a form I hadn't imagined previously. And basically the, the, the starting point for me was like uh, living, living a normal life in, in, my, uh, in the city where I come from, Buenos Aires, you know, living with my family, studying in the university. I was 20 years old and um, I was quite curious since I was young and since I was a child uh, and uh, I was, I always had like this, you know, question in front of the things that were taken for granted. Uh, and um, there was a point where I felt that 
studying uh, in the university and like following the common track was not what was filling my heart and what I was really feeling uh, that was meant for me. But I didn't know what was meant for me. Like I knew that wasn't. Uh, but I come like from a quite conservative um, family and ambience. Uh, so there were not many alternatives around. And I was living like in a big city where you are locked inside, you know, uh, all the time inside like this concrete jungle. So the first calling for me was nature. I, 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 I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just, uh, as soon as I started getting older, like around 17, 18, I started to go every time, every holiday I have, I had like a little bit more far away and to explore a little bit more and more outside of, of the known territory. Uh, and traveling like opened this possibility of discovering the world beyond the fence, you know. So this mixture of being fed up with the city, uh, a very crazy times. Also, this was around 2001, two when Argentina was collapsing uh, politically, economically. So there was not like a big uh, hope in following this track of studying and doing the right things because anyway everything was cracking and this was like a huge invitation for me to like to start exploring you know with this adventurous sense like of the 20s of wanting to see the world and wanting to see how things are like and it started you know in holidays but then when i was 20 21 there was this holiday when I went out, I was trying out juggling with a friend in the street, like something crazy we wanted to experience. And this led to the possibility of having, you know, a possibility of sustaining myself, barely sustaining myself, but it was enough to keep on traveling and not having an excuse, you know, I need to go back. So, um, we had like a two month holiday that became like a seven year long trip until I came back to Buenos Aires again. And this was the starting of all my research and of understanding and perceiving, perceiving myself as a clown and through that as an artist and through that uh, uh, as uh, a searcher, I, I guess. Yes. And, and then, you know, on the road, things started to sum up one after the other. And now we call also this, I don't know, psychology and we, and we call it in many different ways that started to pop up on the way. But the first approach was traveling and like kind of the full path, like the tarot, uh, you know, full that just gets out of the common road. And it was art circles and then shamanism appeared on the road because it was in South America. And yeah, things started to, in a chaotic way, to make meaning and to create a sense and to create a, a kind of structure. But this came with time. Mm -hmm. So what I understand is that 
through your experiences and your traveling, you develop the understanding of clownness and join it with shamanic experiences and all this creates a, a, a program that you're creating as a therapy to understand ourselves, to learn about ourselves and, and basically wake up our consciousness, our, our potential inside. So uh, we met a few years ago actually and I, I was very surprised from how you approach your, your teachings. And back in 2014, I remember we did an event and we came across your, your, your experiences through mutual friends and, and whatnot. And what caught me, my attention a lot, you, you actually say these words, a, a shamanic clown experience or therapy. And, and in your workshops, you create this experience of, of playfulness, I remember you, you mentioned, can you talk to me a little bit about this experience that you you you, you create and, and what's the response from people? Yes. So first for me it was my own experience and my own journey. And this was something of around maybe 10 years that led me in my own exploration and, and traveling and performing in the street. I came across shamanic cultures and I had uh shamanic experiences and initiations so in this 20s period instead of going to a university which i did in the first years after before i started traveling but then my university became the street my university became the the, the journey the road and and the sacred plants and and the ancestral knowledge so actually i was not receiving inspiration from going to a course and learning techniques, but I was receiving inspiration from traveling and maybe living sometime with a community in the Andes or the Amazon. And, uh, and through the, you know, uh, medicine experiences with San Pedro, Ayahuasca, different medicines, um, taking them where, where they, they grow um there was like a, a whole new space opening inside myself that my natural response was to translate it into the language of what i was experiencing that was clowning in that moment so it was like the source of my clowning came from from the journey the, the outside journey and the inwards journey and uh through time i mean a long time it kind of started to become like a pedagogy and in like in a very um if i could sum it up when when we play yes as adults we forget to play right and we are programmed to play when we are children and then we are programmed to stop this play playfulness and this curiosity and to start just following patterns that society family education give us. Playfulness is very anarchistic in this sense. It's like if you if you play and you go beyond like the established rules, a lot of things start to appear. So the beginning of creativity is playfulness. Yes, you can grab any topic and you can start playing around it without focusing on rules or laws or limits. 
and then many things start to show up. Many things that show up don't take you anywhere just to have an interesting moment. But uh, what I discovered is that through playfulness, you can enter into a collective playfulness also. Yes, you, you, with a group, you can start entering into certain spaces that I had visited through shamanism. Yes, so uh, uh, there was a point where in my own research of my clowning and like getting out of any preconceived structure and letting my pool arise, I was realizing that I was visiting emotional, um, mental, physical spaces that were similar to the to the um, entheogen or, or psychedelic experience. Yes. Not like you are tripping like, whoa, when you are seeing like crazy visions, but yeah, in a way, your sensitivity starts to open. You can start perceiving, I would say, the present moment in a very um, intense way. And so the attention uh, becomes magnified. The perception becomes magnified. Intuition gets like a very, uh, it starts to be on the first places, you know, we, we, we collectively, you know, we have our intuition quite locked and we are taught not to trust uh, what we feel. But uh, in the space, when, when you enter a space and you play with a certain purpose and you do it inside of a sacred space, yes, and you focus the attention of the group, uh, many crazy things start to happen. For example, a little bit like telepathy, uh, feeling things that nobody is seeing, but we are all feeling that are happening. Um, parts of ourselves that we can also kind of disguise uh, uh, easily with the mask of our personality and with speaking. When we take out, for example, spoken language and when we open expression throughout through the body and other channels, we can't hide what we are anymore. We don't have so much control like when we are, you know, inside of the rational mind. So uh, I started to discover like this space that opens up through playfulness and playfulness and it's like the door, but then it takes you inside of a very deep space that not necessarily is funny, though it can be, but it can be very deep and with, with certain frames, it can be a healing and transformational space that can be very powerful. Mm -hmm. So do, to, to have the experience of shamanic clown therapy, we can do it with or without medicine. Uh, it's, it... it's, it's without, the medicine is the playfulness itself. We, in my sessions, I mean, I've researched it with plants for many years and plants have showed me certain things of myself and certain doors to explore this outside of the plant medicine, right? So the, the plants have showed me certain attention levels and certain perception levels that 
helped me to understand how to create frames for people to enter into these levels of attention, but without using plants, but mostly activating the bodies, the attention, yes. And then through time, I, I also learned how to use certain frames that are part of any ritual or any ceremony and, and, and to create like this kind of playful ceremonies that happen inside of a sacred space. But this sacred space is a space where you can be, I don't know, crawling on the floor and, and laughing your ass off, you know, but you, you get to, to reach states and, and experiences that show you things about yourself show you things about yourself in relationship to the rest and uh, and that can make you click you know that can transform things in yourself because to change something we don't only need to understand it but we need to experience something deep around it you know so playing it's always an experience and when you put a certain frame or certain themes and you use certain tools that launch you into this playful creative attention, then you can start transforming stuff. You can access the unconscious, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I also understand that you've traveled a lot, like mm -hmm. South America, maybe all South America and also Europe. I yes. also know that you've been in very interesting countries over there. How have you seen the difference in reaction towards these therapies with the people here in South America and in Europe? Is there yeah. something in common that we have that we can uh, yeah. relate to or different cultures have totally different experiences of learning about ourselves? And, and so what do you think? You know, playfulness and uh, I mean, I don't think I have discovered something so new playfulness is one of the ways of enlightening and this is the way of the fool that we can also call the trickster archetype it's part of the archetypical structure of our psyche it's like one of the doors one of the buttons to push to enter into something that we could call transpersonal you know beyond me, my personality, my story, the issues I'm into, you know, I can access these states where, where something that is common to all humanity is going on. Yes, some people call it uh, collective unconscious, for example. Yes, uh, we can call it in, in many ways. So in any culture, uh, with indigenous people in the Amazon, with uh, executives in a, in a company, with people in, in Colombia or Argentina or Peru, or in Latvia or Russia or Switzerland uh, or Palestine. Um, when you enter the void, everything is common to everyone. Like uh, there's a point where we are all the same. Yes, and this is the, the, the spot I need to reach when we, when we do this, right? And I'm looking forward to arrive there. Now, the way to arrive there and the layers that you have to peel off to go there are different in every part 
So obviously, uh, for example, when you put a, a game, you know, and it's about dancing and shaking, if you are in Colombia, you know, or, or Ecuador, people, you know, they, it's, it's very common to them, you know, they light up uh, very, very soon, you know. And maybe if you do that in, in Estonia, uh, it will take a little bit more time. You know? uh, maybe in Austria, people will have the tendency more to ask, how can you explain this that we are doing and how can we understand it, you know, rationally before going into it? So uh, if I would, I think every place is different, but if I would have to, um, Europe is more rational, rational based. You know, and you have to peel off like these rationality layers, um, while in South America is more. It, it sounds a little bit cliche, right? But uh, South America it's a little bit more tied to to the passions somehow. Yes, but then interestingly, it's interesting for me that, for example, yes, South Americans, you know, they are more da dancers and more, you know, fiery but maybe they are more, more tied in these things to forms. So for example, yeah, they know how to dance, but they do it like, I don't know if it's salsa, for example, or stuff like that. Uh, while, for example, in, in Europe, maybe they don't have like this so close relationship to moving in that way, let's say with the lower chakras, but when they do it, maybe they do it more experimentally, you know, because the, it's not something familiar for them so it also allows them to enter into into places of experimentation you know which is very interesting in, in my work like what we try to do is to get out of familiar patterns only outside of familiar patterns is that we discover new things so in in every place the the, the superficial layers are different and close to to the characteristics of the culture but then the, the real thing starts beyond these layers and there we all meet like human beings. You know? and, and that's why this work has like this archetypical base. You know, it's, it's based in something that is not from one culture or is not, or is not like one personal invention. You know? My only, the only thing I do is to kind of I am familiar with this playful energy, it's part of my nature. I am more inclined towards this direction energetically. And I have certain um, quality that allows me to translate this energy into frames that can push people into the experience. You know? yeah. We could call that pedagogy. Yes. So uh, I, I'm very, experimental and, and, and creative in my pedagogy. So uh, I, I kind of create the bridge, you know, between the, the what I call the ordinary state of being into the extraordinary state of being through certain games and, and things, uh, rituals, things that show up, you know, sometimes in, in many experiences, we are we start playing and it takes us into places I, I've never visited before or you know 
in the middle of this creative energy, like a new inspiration comes and then we start doing something that we have never done before or I have never done before. It's, it's part of the creative path. Yeah. Man, I, I feel so inspired. This is just fascinating that we can live having fun. Like yes. We're so serious. We're working a lot, worried about money and chasing the money and dramas all around when we can just loosen up a little bit and play. And now there's a lot of many types of therapies. There's so many types of therapies. Yeah. And it does carry a certain type of energy like, okay, I'm going to therapy because I'm not doing well. And, and, and it carries that just how I mentioned that energy kind of like a little bit of depressed or maybe just tired of all the dramas or internal blocks to then find something fun while it also heals me. And yeah. I have not till now since 2014, when I heard it with you, I have not seen anything like it. I know there's courses about uh, being in circus and I know there is theater involved that you can uh, actually heal through theater but at the same time it is fun for sure but the clown shamanic is more fun I just think <laughs> just those two words are like what <laughs> so I feel that is very fascinating and like how the world has been listening that is it the same reaction and I have or is just okay? It's just kind of shamanic. It's just a joke. Like, mm -hmm. how are there people that are with that, or you get some bad reactions with that? How how is how is that? Yeah. So um, what I do when you do it, it's very natural and very familiar. You know, it it, it it's very related to your inner child. You have done it. You know, you have done it instinctively, but you have forgotten to do it, yes. And um, um, when in certain spaces, when people hear the word clown, they get like, you know, a little bit scared because they say, I'm not a clown. Clowns are like only these crazy people that show off or that they are not shy at all or they are ridiculous, whatever. So there's a lot of people that has shyness, for example, is one of their barriers between them and the experience of, of living a, a, a fulfilled life, you know. So they, they get paranoid in front of this. In some other ambiences, uh, when they hear the word shamanism, it's also, you know, like uh, something that it's scary. What is this, like witchcraft or, or you know, do I need to, it's a religion, you know, the, a lot of people has, you know, many ideas because there's much said about these things, but not much known about them, you know. So during many years, I was like, for me, my own process, it, it was like in the beginning, I was just, you know, discover clowning for me. But then, you know, it was something else. So, uh, then I kind of started calling it shamanic clowning and I did it for some years but then these kind of things were also happening 
uh, and then I, I decided like to create this, this building and creating and discovering, uh, which I call Camino Creativo, which means creative path, right? So like to take the accent out of clowning or shamanism and to put it into creativity, which involves all of these things. And actually, once you are inside the experience, you will be able to, to connect to clowning shamanism in a very organic way. But uh, the idea is to find ways in which people don't get scared because we are not doing something like, for example, yoga that already exists and everybody knows what it is. You know, It's more like something that it's quite experimental on the surface. But when you do it, when people do it, they understand it. You know, it's something that you can understand through experiencing it. And it's been an enormous challenge, like to kind of uh, conceptualize this, all these, you know, energies and experience with, with, which go, you know, beyond words, right? In the last years, shamanism has been like growing a lot and there's like more and more people appeal to it. So in the same way as some people is, are, are, are scared, uh, other people are attracted because of it and the same happened with clowns you know many some years ago it was not like there's been like a kind of boom with clowning in the in the last decades i would say uh but people think clowning it's about performing and oh, performing only and yes as a clown probably there will be a point where you are performing but clowning it's more like a like a um, self-knowledge process through, uh, through art, yes, and through playfulness. So you can use a lot of elements of clowning without necessarily like having to be on a stage with a t-shirt with red lines and a red nose. It's not necessary that you get to that instance, but inside of uh, how you discover your own clown, that it's yourself without repressing your own stupidity, without repressing your dark side, without repressing like uh, all the things you had to repress to fit in this society, which is enormously repressive, right? So uh, it's, it's very liberating. And as you said, it's, it's through playfulness. Yeah, so, so it's like, you laugh your ass off while, and, and this is your healing, you know? But it's not only that. Uh, actually, Camino Creativo, which I founded uh, after 15 years of research with all of this, uh, uses the energy of the clown, but it is uh, elevated to its archetypical uh, energy, like beyond the western idea of what we think is a clown right so we are working with the energy behind the clown yes which will be common to an african or or to anyone you know um and and if the archetype behind as i mentioned before is called the trickster archetype and i use uh i use this this archetype this energy through different exercises and experiences 
but it's not the only thing, you know, like for people to enter into a healing zone, like where things can be really transformed and moved, they need to be defenseless. Yes, like you can go to the best, you know, doctor in the world, but if you're thinking, I won't let him in, you know, I'm, I'm not trusting, whatever, nothing will happen, you know, no matter what therapy you're doing, even though if it's the best one in the world. So the, the great attribute of, of playfulness is that it leaves people defenseless because when you are playing, you can only play if you are trusting. And mm -hmm. we do build up energies, uh, exercises, you know, to build up trust and little by little, and you start by something very small, and then, you know, you laugh a little bit, and then you realize that the other ones are a little bit stupid as well, you know, and, mm -hmm. and little by little. So after a couple of hours, you know, you are not thinking anymore of the email you had to send and you didn't send, and all of these things are completely gone. You are maybe doing something you would have never thought you were doing, Maybe it's giving you an enormous pleasure or facing you to, to, to unsolve shadow parts of yourself as well. Yes. And when everyone, you know, is like, woo, like totally on, on the clouds, the shamanic part comes in, you know, because what people don't know is that they are uh, opening themselves. And not necessarily, I mean, the activity is not based in playing all the time. Playing has a purpose, and the purpose is to open up yourself, yes, and to arrive to the here and now. But when you reach this zone, we can go in many directions, you know, forgiveness, relationships, gender work, uh, emotional work, you know, so... Also, in, in my sessions, there's a lot of crying. There's a lot of cathartic things going on. Sometimes there is uh, vomit. Sometimes there is, uh, uh, sometimes we have to assist someone um, because we go deep, you know. Only that we use playfulness as a tool to enter this song, yes. What, what is the most intense moment that someone would, would go through? Mm, I think what happens is that, you know, the masks fall down. And uh, there are many people, I would say, in the, in the last years, I felt, you know, more and more that a lot of people are looking for the masks to go down because collectively we are more and more aware that we live in a certain kind of illusion that is going nowhere and we need to do something about it. You know? So this is something that every year, every day, you know, it's getting more and more widespread and this is going on. So in the last years, I meet more and more people that arrive to this, not like total rookies of themselves, but that have been doing work, you know, and some people have already started to pull the, their masks off and they, um, they, they already know their vulnerability. You know? So they go inside and they, and they go through the process, but not necessarily they, they freak out, you know. But then from time to time, there's 
it's some people, you know, that it's like a lot happening for them, maybe for the first times. Uh, and sometimes they experience the, the falling down of their mask, you know, without previous advice and without knowing that. And, um, and it can be intense, but luckily, you know, it never meant, it never led to like a negative experience. It always was like there, there's a certain synchronicity inside of this, you know, because it's not about what I think should be or how I say things should be. For me, it's more like putting myself and the group in service of a higher energy, you know, and like whenever a group comes together to do Camino Creativo or a workshop, we start with a purpose that we co-create together you know and this purpose is that whatever this constellation needs in this here and now we open up to receive it you know so we have like this you know frames that come from a more ancestral knowledge you know and that kind of give give a very healthy and powerful and protective frame to everything that is going on. So I have been, you know, giving these these classes since maybe 13 years now. And I didn't have one case of someone, I don't know, collapsing or or having a uh, well there there was one case last year when somebody in the beginning of a workshop broke her leg. Wow. The, and this was the, 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 I mean, I have to be honest, this happened, but this was the only one that happened. And, um, and it was, you know, this person stayed. The, uh, she, she left with paramedics. She got like a plaster on her leg and she came back and she stayed the three days. And she assumed that this that happened to her was part of her process and she understood why you know uh by herself you know uh and i mean i i i work with with guidance with protection i mean when when you work with groups sometimes even to i don't know 150 people you know and moving a lot of emotions moving a lot of energy if you don't if you are not committed you know to a higher force and if you are not putting in yourself like in service of a healing which is beneficial for the collective you know it could be dangerous but uh i think you know things arrive at the wrong time like i see a lot of people that are trying very hard you know to be I don't know, to be a therapist or to be a, 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 a counselor or, or to be a coach or to be whatever, you know, or to be an artist, like trying, you know, like uh, and doing the formula and following the steps or taking the course or, or doing the marketing, whatever. Um, I think it's part of the sign of our times, you know, like this thirst to be someone and to you know, put yourself there and say, I am this. But uh, in my case, you know, things only showed up when they had to show up. So 
I was traveling for 10 years without almost anybody knowing me, you know, without making advertising of anything. When, when I was invited to Europe for the first time, that was like six years ago, uh, it showed up, you know, someone that worked with me said, you know, this would be very beneficial for my community back there. Do you want to come? And, you know, it was not like trying to arrive somewhere, but kind of receiving, you know, like in my garden, I have a garden. And when you plant the seed, if you stay there, like watching, like I wanted to grow and I want to eat from it now, you know, it, it, maybe the plant doesn't even grow, you know, but if you trust and you plant your seeds and, you know, day by day, you know, you water them. Magdalena, my partner, will be laughing at me because she says she waters the plants more than me, but, uh, and she does actually. But, you know, if you let the process happen and you are not ambitious to be something or someone, when you have the group there, when you have the opportunity, when, when you have, it's because it is meant to be. And when it is meant to be, you have, the protection, you have the purpose, you have uh, the guidance, and you have, you know, everything you need for it to be uh, a, a powerful and also healthy experience, you know, so. Mm -hmm. That makes me think about your personal experience. So through this time, I imagine you had a lot of growth you learn about not only yourself, but about the world. But definitely, I feel that each and every one of us have a moment in life where we need to really break through something. And we realize this darkness of ourselves inside somehow. Uh, what was your experience on that? It, it, it happened many times, and it keeps on happening. Like. I think, I mean, I'm, I don't consider myself like a solved human being. I consider myself a person in a process of discover of my inner truth and my real self, you know. Uh, and I chose very clearly to step off like the common track when, when I became 21. And, uh, you know, it, it was like maybe 10 years of not necessarily getting amazing results with what I was doing. And, uh, but definitely inside feeling and realizing also through little things that were happening, you know, on the road that I had to keep on walking in this path. You know, so for a long time, I also didn't have money. I lived as a hippie, you know, many years traveling with not much, uh, juggling in the street and, and like doing this inwards journey a lot. And, uh, you know, there, there were many instances, you know, like this moment where you are already too far away from what you thought was your home, but it's been a long time already and you can't go back because you are not that person anymore. But, uh, but then you know, are not so sure if what you're doing is 
it's okay or maybe it's a total madness and then you find yourself you know like in the middle where you still you you don't have you know your fruit uh, but at the same time you already can't go back you know uh, this I experienced in, in you know in my first decade uh, in this research and then you know uh, it's always a new challenge because for me, like, I don't have like reference, like I don't have someone that has done this and then, you know, showed me how to do it. My path, because of my nature, and I don't think it's better than any other path, it's just what I, what I have to do. And sometimes I, sometimes I would like to fly away from that responsibility and that things would be more easy or, or, or marked uh, before you know but i i already accepted it you know my path is to walk towards the unknown and uh, sometimes this brings a lot of resistance in the others you know i had to let go a lot of things of my family structure uh, i had to let go my country where i was born i had to let go for example i don't have a um, pension of retirement when I'm going to be old, for example, or like many things, many securities, I decided to let go in order to be free enough because I'm, I'm not saying I'm totally free uh, uh, at all. I feel very conditioned by many things uh, still, but you know, I had to renounce to to resign to 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 many things and and sometimes you're like is this going to work or not you know um but luckily also you know since this kind of bet with life started it's already 18 years for me that i'm 38 now so i kind of developed this trust in not knowing and uh i already been so fucked up in in, in, in in some ways that when the time comes again i'm like okay once more let's see where it takes us you know i'm I, i'm i'm not so freaked by that anymore it affects me and i have ups and downs like everyone and you know we are living in very uncertain and chaotic times and it's not easy to wake up every day, you know, like, woo. Uh, but, um, but it's necessary also to do it sometimes, you know, even when the world is cracking down and wake up like, woo, let's dance over the ruins of, <laughs> of this civilization that is going down, you know. Uh, so I think yeah. it's, it's, it's more like a, like a practice, you know, like standing the you know being in the eye of the of the of the storm you know after you have done it a couple of times and you realize the next day that you're alive you know and then okay so let's let's move on i think plant medicine it's a very powerful tool also in this sense you know because it it brings you very close to to death and it brings you very close to states that are very very intense and you have to find where is your strength inside of you to to stand that. You know? 
And when you go through that, you become, you know, stronger and you become uh, more, I would say the word for all of this is resilience, right? It, it's very in, in touch with the topic of your podcast. So it's mm -hmm. very, it's highly important in these times we are living to develop our resilience, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. So this kept me thinking also, there's also many therapies, right? We Like you mentioned before, and these therapies can be, some of them are new, some, some of them have always been, but we really, we really didn't see them. For example, music therapy, music has always been, music has always been healing us and helping us express and, and vibrate our emotion and make us feel better sometimes, or even help us release emotions. And now music therapy is being a lot more popular, specific vibration sounds that help us really tune in within ourselves. And even there's music now in uh, some clinics uh, to really uh, make, make people feel better. And also there's other type of therapies about smell therapy. And the, the smell has, just makes us feel more alive, more happy, you know? And when we're in that state, we start understanding other types of uh, healing process, no? And, and I also remember one that uh, I came across but haven't done it is uh, laughing therapy, right? So it's kind of like, I don't know, like I can laugh for a little bit, but then you laugh on purpose, right? To the point where you're actually laughing for real. You can, you kind of, you push yourself. I think maybe you do some of that in the process. And uh, in all these types of therapies, uh, I'm curious, uh, what is specifically is a clown, a shamanic clown therapy? Like what, what exercise can we do so, so we can have an idea? Like uh, mm -hmm. group dance, I imagine you, you mentioned dance, some laughing. Uh, what yeah. would be a, a specific, and how long does it take? So that's two questions. How long, what's a, what is a therapy? A day, three days you mentioned? Uh, yeah. Okay, so um, I am very interested and I was always very interested by holistic things, like things that have an inner coherency that involves totality, yes. And uh, theater is one very holistic thing inside of the arts, yes. So inside of theater, you can see dance, there is music, there is cinema, there is uh, scenery, there is literature, poetry, uh, acting, you know, all the arts come together in theater. And for me, it's one of the sciences of life. Yes, because art, it's a very magical and power tool for existence. Uh, and theater inside of the arts gathers all the arts. Yes. The same happens with shamanism. So shamanism, everything you mentioned is inside of shamanism. Music, sound, vibration, smelling, you know, there, there is a lot of perfumes, uh, plants used inside of shamanism of ceremonies. Uh, dancing is part, yes, uh, which is one way to ecstasy, yes. Um, so 
shamanism and theater are both like disciplines or or bodies that involve wholeness or totality. So I, as a shamanic clown, I need to work in many directions. You know, the clown, it's in the circus, in the traditional circus, the clown was the old guy who has done everything. You know, he has been a trapezist when he was in his 20s. He has been a juggler. He has been the presenter. He has been the one that was selling the tickets. And once they have gone through all, they can be the clown. And the clown in any moment, you know, can suddenly hop, hop into the trapeze or, or you know, uh, grab some balls and do something. You know, you need to know about everything, which sounds amazing, but it's also part of a creative personality where maybe you can't focus in doing only one thing very good, but many things a little bit. I'm a little bit like that, you know. I la I love to play music, and I play I don't know 20 instruments, but I don't play any instrument like one person that studies one instrument in depth. You know. But if you give me something, I make it sound. Uh, so I would have loved to be an amazing guitar player that studied it since I was a child. But you know, I'm not like that. I'm more like curious and playing everything around. So this kind of has its reflection in, in what I do. And basically I have many ways to go. Yes, so um, a workshop of Camino Creativo in this moment is of around three days to begin with, yes. Uh, but uh, I give you know, many different workshops and uh, not necessarily inside of the structure of Camino Creativo, which is a structure that has four levels and a journey in the end. Uh, so it's five, it's five levels. Um, inside that structure, each level starts, they start with three days and then they go up to four days and then to a week. And then in the end, there's like a two week journey together, you know. Uh, but then, an experience, it could happen, I think, in no less than three hours. Yes, for me, three hours is a time where you can enter into a certain state, visit it, transform something, and then come back. You know, for me, like, the, the minimum amount of time is around three hours. So um, how does a, let's say, how does a session evolve or what happens in a session? Basically, as I said, it's about peeling layers, you know. So in the beginning, you know, everyone's a little bit shy and like thinking, you know, that they don't get, you know, their hair doesn't get too messy and they are still, you know, very self-conscious in the beginning. So always, let's see, the sessions always happen inside of what I call a sacred space, which is uh, something that comes from shamanism. What does it mean? Before we do something, let's come together and let's together focus our attention in deciding that this that we're going to do has a purpose and it's going to be something powerful. The only thing we need for that to happen is to decide it together. Yes. So there's always a moment where we stop 
the world, we stop the chattering, we stop, you know, the coffees and whatever, and we come together, we look at each other, and we kind of compromise to put all our attention into what we're going to do so that we have a very powerful experience for all of us. Yes, this we do it in the beginning and we do it in the end. So what we do is to create like a container, yes, an energy container, yes, only by deciding it, yes. Um, and everyone is called to think and to feel and to connect with a certain purpose. Why do you want to do this? Maybe you don't know what you're going to do, but you came here because of something. You, know? you came here because you want to change something. You came here because you are fed up with something. You came here because there's something you can't reach and you have tried in many ways. So focus your attention into this thing that it's what you want to achieve, live, transform, or obtain. Yes? So sacred space and the purpose. This is what will happen in any shamanic ceremony in different ways. You know, any tradition have their forms, but they do the same. You know, they are going into a ceremony with a purpose. Once this is done, usually what I do is to start by opening up the body and opening up the attention. So I use a lot of music. Uh, I use a lot of dancing, but I am, you know, I'm like a little bit, I'm the guy that it's there like, um, you know, when you put music for people, what will they do? They will start dancing for the others. You know, they will start like showing that they are cute or whatever, you know, but I'm there and I'm looking mm -hmm. at them, you know. So I'm like, dance for yourself you know this is the step you do every every weekend in the in the in the bar you know shake it up i i i grab people i shake them you know i have my tools i have feathers i have stuff that i use to remind people hey we are here you know get out of the pattern you know? and uh, i also use the music in that direction you know maybe there is something that everyone and then boom, it transforms into something totally different. So there's a lot of surprise. There's a little bit of provocation. Uh, I also use smells. Um, and, you know, what I need in the beginning is people to get to a state where their heart is beating fast and they are starting to sweat. This is like a very physical indicator that you already entered into a different level of, of attention and a different state, you know? And from there, you know, we can go in many directions. Some, it depends, for example, the, the level we're doing, the purpose of the workshop we're doing, yes. There, is, there are workshops in the beginning that, uh, for example, the first workshop of community was called awakening your creative self. So it's about visiting the creative state and recognizing your creative self. That there's this idea, you know, that only artists are creative yeah. and only certain people are artists and stuff oh. like that. So Camino Creativo is telling you, no, 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 no. We are all artists because we are all creators of existence. And 
you can be more or less aware of that in yourself. Yes. Mm -hmm. How do I structure this? I do it through what is called the creative process. So the creative process is what any artist will have their own creative process to reach their creation. A poet will have maybe the creative process of a poet is to get drunk and to and to wake up somewhere in a crazy way and then you know or to or to fall in love with people that don't correspond them and then you know this puts them in a state where they create poetry like the creative process is not dogmatic is not a formula and it's not and it's not and it's always different yes but it always involves visiting a space outside of your comfort zone and entering in some way into what I call the extraordinary state of perception of attention. Yes. Mm -hmm. So lots of playfulness and through games, understanding certain steps inside of this creative process and understanding how this creative process can be taken into life. Yes. Like not a creative process to create necessarily a painting. If you want to create a painting, amazing, and you can also be inspired by this activity. But how can we sublime, yes, sublimate, I, would, I think it would be in English, uh, sublimate this creative energy to understand we are creators of the experience of our existence. And existence is a creation and I am the artist creating it, yes. So it's, it's all about that, you know, like how can I use art tools inside of a shamanic frame to understand experientially, not theoretically, that life is a creation and I am the artist creating, yes. This is the first step of Camino Creativo, yes. And this first step gives us like the frames for all the rest of the steps because in all the rest of the steps, we need to have like this creative mindset in which, for example, mistakes don't exist. They are opportunities, yes. Uh, control is not giving us creativity back, yes. It's cutting it out. So, you know, there are many, many different aspects that you have to learn through experiences to then apply them into your life, your project, whatever. You know, there, there are a lot of, for example, a lot of, I teach in transpersonal schools a lot, and there are a lot of therapists, psychologists, people that do other therapies and that guide other people that come to Camino Creativo in order to become more spontaneous, flexible, creative, inside of what they do. So you can take this into many other things. You know? And then the rest of the levels, the levels go first is like awakening your creative self. Then it's, uh, it's called unveil the trickster, which is about exploring your shadow side. Yes. And learning to discover the trickster inside of you who is tricking you to, to think you are a personality you know mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then I love it uh -huh. then then the, the next 
level, the third level. Um, it's called the life of rituals. And in this level, it's about understanding rituality and symbolic language, like the tool that every uh, initiatic tradition throughout history, human history, mm -hmm. has used rituality and symbolic language to communicate with the spiritual world, to, to, to communicate with the universe, to transform reality. Yes. So the essences of, of magic, yes, uh, of alchemy of life, you know, you have to learn or to know how to deal with symbolic language. It's something very archetypical. It's like, for example, we when we dream, we dream in symbols, right? So symbolic language is not something you learn, it's something more like you remember. Yes, it's, it's more it's part of, of human psyche. Human psyche works and creates through symbolism. Yes. Yeah. So uh, so this third level, once you have activated your creativity and also go into the depths of your shadow to become more authentic and more aware of who you really are and to heal yourself, then you know we can start playing a little bit more with magic and with symbols and to start deciding what we want to create in our life and how we are going to communicate that to the universe, yes. Um, and then in the fourth level, it's about combining all of these three things and creating your ritual, yes. The ritual in which you, Yoshi, me, Nico, each one in their own personal way with their own style not following a formula, but inspired to, through all the, the work we have done. Uh, what do you want to tell to the universe? How do you want to state your existence? If you would have the chance to decide consciously a path you want to walk and a creation you want to make, what is it? Yes. So. Basically, in this level, it's, it's like a creative process in which each one creates something and then performs it in front of all the rest. So they are called performative rituals. Yes, it's a ritual full of meaning for that person. And all the rest, we are holding the space for that person to express that in a very meaningful and powerful way. So this is... In nature, it takes some days, you know, uh, and it's combining everything you have learned. And I am like visiting you from time to time and helping you to frame what what you want to express in, in, in existence. Yes. So, uh, of course, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of ancestral knowledge involved. So everything is inside of masculine and feminine energy polarity you know everything that needs to be touched and expressed in order to have a real meaningful ritual which is not dogmatic which is not religious which is not about praying to a certain god but it's more about understanding that with your decisions and your 
and your emotions and your expressions, you are creating your reality. Yes. So the whole thing is about assume yourself as a creator of your reality. Yes. Which I think and I feel and it's what I have learned. It's the step to take as a humanity, you know, the way to go, to become responsible of our enormous power as co-creators of this existence, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, thanks for sharing. That's a really amazing process and deep therapy about going through these levels that you mentioned. And especially what you're saying is that we discover that we're the creators of our own world. And of course we remember this, we need to remember this, but most of humanity, we, we didn't know we, we could create when we can be an artist. We didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I am sure many don't. And a lot of religions, excuse me, a lot of religions or cultures don't have a connection that we can be a creator. It's, it's separate from ourselves. There's a creator in the sky somewhere or in the universe. And then, and it's, it's a separate thing from ourselves in a way that it limits us. It limits uh, our, our imagination. And it's amazing that this, this therapy, this process, this workshop from Camino Creativo can allow us to to not only understand it, but live it, and not only live it, but really break through these uh, mind programs and limits that allow us to really discover ourselves as humans, as beings of the universe, to really open up and, and discover our potential and, and our imagination, you know? Yes. So, yeah, thank you for sharing about all this, and, and I have a couple more questions before we go, but... The situation here is that we want to know, especially me and I'm sure many, where are you right now? And yeah, yeah like we want to know like, if we can come with you and, and have a therapy or where can we meet you? Like where is Camino Creativo hmm. in this world? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I kept on being a nomad uh, and... Um, I live in Ecuador, it's like my base place. And uh, I've been traveling once or twice a year to Europe. Uh, and right now as a school, Camino Creativo is open in Estonia and Romania. But I also have many other students in Austria and in, in many other places in Europe. Uh, and also here in Ecuador. The thing is that, as you know, uh, the situation we are worldly in this moment, I have uh, canceled my last tour. So uh, the groups that started Camino Creativo with me in this 2020, the beginning of the year, they are, you know, uh, in respect to these teachings, they are in, in hold. Uh, and I, I, I still don't know when, when I'm going to be able to continue physically. In the moment, I am receiving, I, I am doing more one-to-one -one work because it's the way that uh, it's possible now. And it's also like a very 
powerful way to work, which I enjoy a lot. Um, this is online? That, uh, I, I, I do work online and I also receive people at home. Um, I am, you know, when all this pandemic thing started, I said, okay, I won't be able to do my thing for a while. Let's wait a little bit, see what happens. What happens, as you know, it became longer and longer and then the structures started to fall. And, and there was a point where I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> for the rest of my life now. You know, I had structured all of these throughout many uh, trips and years. And then when it was formed and marching, you know, all of this happened. So I did what I do when... I know something has to happen and is to do nothing. Mm -hmm. Yes. So basically I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but let's see what happens. You know? uh, and I was like playing my, my gong uh, at home a lot because I, I've been going into this vibrational field you were mentioning uh, a lot. Um, and and it, it's also becoming part of Camino Creativo for the future. And um, I started to receive a certain inspiration. So in the moment, I'm about to launch like this one-to-one -one program, which I'm already doing with different people. Um, but I'm going kind of launch it officially, let's say, as a part of Camino Creativo. And it's a process that it's uh, through altars. Yes. Uh, I think it's also in, in English, it's called altar, right? Uh, you can also call it, I don't know if it's shrine in our world, but um, an altar, it's like a symbolic representation of your universe, of your personal universe, yes, which is yourself. And um, I'm doing a process in which we have interviews and meetings online once a week, and uh, we create different kinds of altars which people create spontaneously. I don't, I, I ask them, for example, to create an altar for their inner child. And they do whatever comes out of their, of, of themselves. I'm not telling them it should be this way or that way, you know. And then, you know, they, they do processes with it. For example, they, every day through a week, they sit in front of their altar, they light a candle and they, communicate with their inner child. And after one week, through all this experience, they come back to me and we share, you know, what happened with this. Uh, I discovered this, I couldn't connect, I was angry, uh, I realized something I didn't know. Uh, I realized I, my childhood was very sad, but I thought it was super happy. I realized my childhood was happy, but I thought it was sad, you know. Like it, it, many things can happen. So then with the material that we gather with this experience, there's a ritual the person has to do. They do it on, on their place by themselves. Yes, sometimes it's living symbolically something behind. Sometimes it's like uh, manifesting something uh, into their world that they thought they didn't have, but they have it, so they symbolize it. You know? And we go through different sessions by creating different altars. 
you know, we go through all the universe of the, of the person, yes. And uh, the idea is to arrive to a point where you have kind of went through every part of your universe and all of this is manifested into a major altar, which is the altar you will keep for yourself. And this altar is like a symbolic representation of your universe and it's a dynamic, alive thing. It's not like a table with nice stones that it's decorative. It's like a table of that symbolically represents your universe and it's dynamic. You can move things there. You can make processes there. You can call things you want to bring into your universe or you can transmute and take out things you want to take away from your universe. Yes. Why? Because your unconscious mind needs to receive uh, um, an instruction. Yes. This instruction we are giving all the time unconsciously by how we feel, by the way we are speaking, you know, maybe we're speaking negatively about our life, but we, and then we don't realize why all these things are happening, always the same happens to me, blah, blah, blah. So an altar is like a tool where you can see, but in a symbolic language, the parts of yourself and you can mm -hmm. place them into certain uh, parts of your universe. You can clean them, you can refresh them, you can sweeten them up, you can put fire to them or, or, or lower the fire, you know, whatever. So I, it's like a, a frame, a structure, which, which it's already existing, but it fits personally for every person. It's, it's a little bit different for everyone, mm -hmm. according to their own story, to their own issues, yes. And this is the way I have been finding of doing something online that for me feels authentic and powerful, you know, because, uh, because I, I, I didn't want to rush and just, you know, do whatever a course online. Right. Uh, I, I want to do something meaningful. And, and this is like what I'm going to put my attention to work with people in the upcoming times, because the collective work for me, I mean, I haven't found a way to do it online. I want to meet with the people, I want to touch, I want to see, I want to come together, you know. And the time for that will come. Uh, I send a, a, a big hug uh, to my students in, in, in Austria and Romania and Estonia and in other parts because we will meet again. Um, but meanwhile, you know, this is what I have found, this altar process, yes, of creation of the personal universe. And this is what I'm doing in the moment. And well, people can contact me through uh, social media. Um, I, I am developing a web page since like three years now, and, uh, <laughs> but it's still not online. I'm not very good with that part, uh, but people have ways to contact me, you know, Facebook, mainly my email as well. Yes, uh, WhatsApp, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Great. Awesome. So beautiful, all your work, your research, and what you have came up with. Uh, very original, 
very helpful for the world right now. I'm, many, including myself, uh, can really learn and um, experience these. And yeah, I'm so happy to have met you. We have encountered ourselves a few times during the last uh, six years. Uh, we have mutual friends regarding regenerative culture. That's how we met. And yeah, I, I invite everyone to get involved with regenerative culture around your area. There's, it doesn't necessarily have to be regenerative culture, but observe how your neighbors, uh, how your friends or partners in school or work are involved with some type of regenerative action, which means that these decisions and actions can help create conditions for more life to exist. In order to do that, we need to observe ourselves. And like in our last episode with Wilson Ochoa from uh, Ecuador in Cuenca, shared about his knowledge in neuroscience and psychology. Here is very similar by an approach of a shamanic clown experience with um, just amazing playfulness. Get to know ourselves from where we were kids, remember ourselves and then evolve from that with techniques and um, ancient wisdom mixed with modern uh, technology, inc including, you know, or, or thoughts. So I want to thank Nicolas Cambas for being here. I'm going to drop down some links so you can find Nicolas and also make sure you subscribe, not only in his uh, pages, but also in Regenerative Culture Podcast. Invite your friends, invite um, your family, whoever you feel that needs to hear about what uh, Nicholas has to say and let the world know about how we can learn about other types of therapies. Sometimes we want to block ourselves from healing ourselves. We think we're all already okay or we don't have time, but it's good to open up and really understand that there's new ways uh, to approach ourselves. In this case, having fun play, sing, dance, smell, listen, and reconnect with other people that we don't know and loosen up really. And life is to be having fun, to love, to create and realize that we are here to do that. Not for anything else. Everything else is really just work and drama, but we're here to create and, and love and realize the potential we have inside. So thank you very much, Nicolas. Uh, I really appreciate For sure, we're going to be working together in future events. Uh, we collaborate a lot. So regenerative culture is our style of life for now. And remember, regenerative culture is not a new culture. It's any culture that exists, but observing a regenerative perspective. That's what I want to share. Thank you very much. This is Regenerative Culture Podcast. By Collective Wave with your host Yoshi Pantera. Nicolas Cambos was with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Peace, love, and abundance for all. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Say bye, man. Say bye. I say goodbye. Yes. DC. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Yoshi. It's been a pleasure. And as you said, we have been meeting and uh, there, there's a nice potential between us. Um, and I'm very glad to keep on exploring it. And I want to send a big card to all the audience, probably a lot of people I don't know and, and some I know as well. 
that will listen to this podcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, hoping I can uh, release my podcast soon as well. Uh, and uh, let's say these podcasts are going to be family. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah so thank you. Man. Thank you very much for the space, and it's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you. Ciao, okay. ciao. Ciao, ciao. Bye, bye.